When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that surgeon came from James, Peter did eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to And Jesus spoke also this parable unto certain who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like the rest of men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I give. But the publican standing afar off would not even so much as lift up his eyes into heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I say unto you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Dr. Mitchell continues our study in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. We again come to you. Another wonderful opportunity to again discuss with you the Word of God. We are studying the book of Galatians, this amazing book that has to do with the sufficiency of the work of Christ. You know, in thinking about this and meditating upon the wonderful truth given to us in this book of Galatians, I'm afraid that today too many of God's people and I would not question the fact that they are God's people, but they've been moved away from the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, just as these Galatian Christians had been removed from the grace of God, their eyes and minds had been blinded by these Judaizing teachers who had come from Jerusalem who said that they had to do something else besides just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, when I speak about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, remember, I'm not talking about a mental assent to historical facts. There are a great many people who believe that Jesus died for them and that he was buried and that he was raised again from the dead and ascended to heaven to be a prince and a savior. They intellectually believe that. That is, they have mentally ascended to the historical facts, but have had no personal relationship to the one of whom the facts speak. You permit me, will you please, to emphasize that again? There's hardly a day goes by in talking to people what I realize Somewhere along the line, we've missed the reality of life in Christ. We fail to realize that there could be no life and there cannot be any life apart from personal relationship to the Savior. And when the scriptures speak about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about a personal relationship where a sinner actually puts his or her trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's a definite proposition and they receive him and believe on him. They trust him that his death did put away their sin and that he's alive forevermore. And hence, we have the guarantee of life and hope and peace and joy. Now in the book of Galatians here, we've had the apostle Paul uh, speaking of the defense concerning his apostleship. His message has no authority unless he can prove his apostleship. And in chapter 1, verse 11, down through chapter 2, verse 10, the apostle defends his apostleship that it was called, he was called of God. He was called by a risen Christ, and the revelation of his message came personally from God. You remember he spent some time in Arabia, and more than likely it was while he was there that God revealed to him the wonderful revelation of the grace of God and the revelation of the church, the body of Christ, as you find that in the book of Ephesians. So I do not want to go over all the argument that he has used in this, except to remind you that in the second chapter, uh, the first 10 verses, the apostles, uh, Paul's apostleship was fully recognized by the other apostles, especially Peter and, and James, the brother of our Lord, and John these three who seemed to be the great leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And they gave to Paul the right hand of fellowship. And they endorsed not only his apostleship, but also the message which he preached. Indeed, they declared that they could add nothing to what Paul had to say. But just the opposite, they received some teaching from the apostle Paul. Now, starting in at verse 11 of chapter 2, and running to the end of the chapter, verse 21, we have where Paul defends his message. And it's an amazing passage of Scripture. And I would like you to take your Bibles and read with me from the second chapter of Galatians, starting at verse 11. Because of the import of this, I'm going to read these verses. And I sincerely hope that you will read them too over and over again. So we'll get something of the truth into our very being uh, the issue now before us is a very serious one. In fact, the contention was so hot, so real, and yet so important that we've come to a time in the history of the early church where there was going to be a division between Jews and Gentiles, Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians. 
and in fact the possibility of having two kinds of churches, a Jewish church, a Gentile church. And the Apostle Paul and Peter are in the very center of this. And mark the tremendous uh, authority that the Apostle Paul uses when he rebukes the Apostle Peter. Uh, you know, there are those who give Peter a, a tremendous place, and he has a tremendous place in the early church, but not the place that, that God gave him. Let me read from chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 11. When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that surgeon came from James, that is, from Jerusalem, Peter did eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, that is, fearing these Jewish leaders. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now you will notice in this that the Apostle Paul rebukes Peter. He manifests his authority as an apostle by rebuking Peter before them all. He didn't do this in secret. He didn't get Peter over to one side and say, Peter, I want to talk to you about something. Oh, no. Peter had failed the Lord publicly. He must be rebuked publicly. You know, did you ever stop to think of it? This amazing thing that Paul did. You see, Peter should have known better. Peter had no excuse. Peter had left his place of liberty in Christ and joined the religionists. These who had come from Jerusalem would come down from James. And Peter was afraid of them. And Peter knew better. Peter knew better. He should never have done this. For in Acts chapter 10, you remember, it was God who appeared unto Peter in a vision and said what God had cleansed not to call common or unclean. In the 11th chapter of Acts, when Peter stood before the leaders of the church at Jerusalem, he said, Who was I to withstand God? 
and that God made no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, delivering them, justifying them, even as, upon, even as us. And the 15th chapter of Acts, in verses 7 to 9, here at the council, you remember how Peter stood up and defended the Gentiles. My, what a different Peter this is. Listen to what he said. Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God which knoweth the, their hearts bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit even as he did unto us. And God put no difference between us Jews and these Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, that is, these Gentile disciples, a yoke which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And he's talking there about the yoke of the law of Moses. Now therefore, why do you tempt God to put upon the neck of these disciples, these Gentiles, a yoke, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we Jews shall be saved even as these Gentiles. In fact, he makes a statement that if the Jews are going to be saved at all, they've got to be saved the way the Gentiles are saved. That's by faith. Now, when he came to Antioch, he got himself into a, into a real jam, into real trouble. He was having a wonderful time with the Gentiles, eating with them, sharing with them in the things of Christ. And then when these religionists came from Jerusalem and Peter stole them, Peter withdrew himself from the Gentiles. And not only so, but he, he brought all the other Jews with him. Even, even Barnabas was carried away with it. In other words, at Antioch, Peter went back on all that God had revealed to him. Peter knew the truth, but was afraid to walk in the truth because of religionists, because of men. You know, it's an amazing thing that this man, Peter, before the death of our Savior, he denied his Lord because of his fear of men. And now you find him at Antioch many years afterwards as one of the leaders of the Church of Christ at Jerusalem, doing exactly the same thing because of his fear of men. He went back on the gospel of the grace of God. And the apostle Paul manifested his apostleship and his authority as an apostle by rebuking even Peter, the great Peter, before them all, before the whole church at Antioch, because he was to be blamed. You know, it's a sad thing when people know the truth and do not walk in the truth. As I said a moment ago, there was the possibility of there being a real rupture in the early church where you'd have had a Jewish church and a Gentile church. And this is what Paul is claiming here. He's going to stand for the gospel of the grace of God, for the sufficiency of the work of Christ. I want to tell you, my friend, today that we have a real, all-sufficient Savior, Jesus Christ. And here was a time in the, in the church at Antioch when the apostle Peter, who knew the truth, didn't walk in it. And I'm in Galatians chapter 2. And we find here in this portion where the apostle Paul manifests his apostolic authority and he rebuked even Peter. 
And I want to take up three or four things about this. I'm thankful for, for Dr. B.B. Sutliff, who was the first president of the Multnomah School of the Bible, and of how he went through these verses, and indeed some of the truths that I'm giving to you. I want to thank the Lord for Dr. Sutliff, especially for the simple uh, division he made of these verses. I don't know what else he said about the book of Galatians, but I remember these few verses, and I want to uh, thank the Lord for him publicly. Oh, God, give us men today who will stand for the word of God, even if they have to stand alone. And sometimes you have to. We're living in a day of compromise. And the truth is pushed to one side, and Christ is dishonored. And we deny the sufficiency of the work of Christ. Now, let's look at it. In verse 11 to 13, if I may break it down, we have the nature of Paul's rebuke. And may I suggest that when a godly man fails in doctrine or walk, he lends the very weight of his godliness to the error which he allows. And according to Paul here, he's not walking uprightly. Well, you notice this, and I'm going to repeat that statement. Here is Peter, the leading apostle, an outstanding man for God, a man who had walked with the Savior three and a half years. It was this Peter who stood on the day of Pentecost and preached, and 3,000 souls were saved. This same Peter at the first persecution preached, and 5,000 souls were saved. He and John were the two who were persecuted and beaten by the Sanhedrin in chapters 4 and 5 of Acts. It was this Peter who had gone down to the Gentiles and had preached the gospel to Cornelius in chapter 10. It was this Peter who had defended the Gentile message, if I could use that term. He had defended the gospel of the grace of God that the Gentiles and Jews were saved by simple faith. It was the same Peter who stood up at the first council of Jerusalem and defended the message which Paul and Barnabas had preached. He knew the truth. And I say that when Peter failed at Antioch and didn't walk in the truth which God had given to him, all his standing, all his apostleship, all his godliness was lent to the weight. It just lent weight to the error in which he had fallen. When a man who is an apostle fails, the very office which he holds is behind the very failure uh, in which he falls. Now you take a man when a man is a preacher, for example. When a preacher sins, he lends all the weight of his position and his life and his ministry behind the failure into which he falls. This is the nature of Paul's rebuke. Even Barnabas was carried away. Peter, you knew better than that. You knew better than that. And because you were an apostle, and because you were Peter, you carried away the Jews with you, and even Barnabas. You're to be blamed for this whole thing. You're dividing the church of Christ. You're not walking uprightly according to the gospel which leads us to verse 14. And in verse 14, we see the inconsistency of his action. When I saw that they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, 
I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now here is the inconsistency of Peter's action. Shall the Gentile be put under that from which Peter himself was delivered? Having turned his eyes from Christ and his sufficiency, he began to compel the Gentiles to be religious like the Jew. He was inconsistent in his action. He had declared that he could only be justified by faith. He knew that. He had been delivered from legalism. He had been delivered from his religion. He had been delivered from these things. Then why should he put the Gentile Christians under that from which he had been delivered? You see the inconsistency of it. Dear Peter is in a real box, and the Apostle Paul rebuked him publicly because of this thing. In other words, he was acting as a hypocrite. You mean to tell me that Peter was a hypocrite? Yes, he was. He knew the truth and didn't walk in it. He implied by his action that the gospel of the grace of God was not sufficient, that these Gentile Christians had to go back under that from which Peter himself had been delivered. He was an inconsistent stand. And may I say this, and I say this kindly. I say it solemnly. There are too many Christians today who know the truth but who are not walking in the truth. They're not walking uprightly according to the gospel. How were you saved, my friend? You were saved by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a transaction between you, the sinner, and Christ, the Savior. The Lord didn't ask you to do anything but put your trust in him. As Romans 4, 5 says, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Paul, writing to Titus, could say in Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Allow me to go back to Romans chapter 4, where we find that justification in the first five verses is by faith. And then David is given as an illustration, just as Abraham is given an illustration of justification by faith, David is used as an illustration that it's without works. And then Abraham is used again as an illustration, it's without ceremonies. Then he goes on to say, it's without the law. It's faith in the God who raises the dead, faith in the risen Christ himself, plus nothing. Now I know that when one becomes a Christian, God expects us to walk as Christians, but to become a Christian, all God asks of you, my friend, is to put your trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and as a positive, definite transaction, you receive him as your own personal savior. And Peter was getting away from this, and hence he was not walking uprightly according to the gospel. Now you read that through. And the Lord richly bless you today for his namesake. There is never a day so dreary Trusting Jesus.
you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.